and welcome to Weddings Unveiled, the podcast for your wedding planning process. I'm your host, Leah Longbreak. We know how exciting and stressful planning the big day can be, and we're here to help, providing you with information and advice from industry insiders and those with firsthand experience. On today's episode, we'll answer your etiquette questions, from how should you best announce your engagement, to sending your thank you notes, and everything in between, with our guest, Jeffra Trumpauer, Senior Creative Director for WeddingWire. Jeffra, welcome to the show. So happy to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. So etiquette, so it's such a formal word and you always think like the proper classes and all that. But with etiquette, there are things that I know a lot of couples are curious about that still need to be followed that might be kind of old school. And there's probably some newer versions of etiquette, some updated ways. And to start with that, Once you get engaged, you're super excited and you probably want to post it on social media. Should you share the news right away? Is there a a way to kind of handle the big news? With social media, this is a very tough question, right? Because you really want to go out there and just like literally spread the word. But our advice is to actually take a moment to revel in the joy with you and your partner first. So take that moment, take a beat, whether it's an hour or two or a whole day, And then the most important thing to do is pick up your phone and actually call people, (laughs) especially, obviously, your parents or friends and family that you really want to have that personal moment with first. Once you've been able to get a hold of everyone via phone or video chat or even driving over to see them, then you can definitely post to social media and make it more of a broadcasted announcement. Yeah, grandma shouldn't be finding out on Instagram. No, absolutely (laughs) not. Definitely not the right way to go. (laughs) Moving from there, let's go right to guest list. I mean, we'll get to bridal parties and all that, but I think the guest list is one of the most stressful parts of all planning, so I just want to tackle it. How should you go about with planning your guest list? Because there's a lot of stress with inviting coworkers and extended family members, and if parents are helping financially their friends, how should you properly tackle this topic? So I want to approach this in two ways, mostly because COVID is top of mind for people planning their wedding right now. But let's actually just take it back to our normal time. So thinking about what it would be like when you have, you know, you can have a lot of people in one room. The most important thing to think about is what type of venue do you want? The venue size is going to dictate how many people you can have. Your wedding budget is going to dictate how many people that you can have. And then really getting down to, okay, how big are our families? So start with your families and say, okay, we now have X amount of people on both sides of our families that have to be on that list. What does your number look like? Does that fit into your venue? Does that fit into your budget? Once you have an understanding of what that venue is, you will then be able to really dictate your guest list size by the cost per head that your venue has provided for you. So if you know that it's a certain percent, certain number, that it's a cost per head, and I, I really don't like to put a cost to a guest, but really weddings do come down to cost. And so really starting there helps you define for both your family members on both sides what your limit is. So if you know that, okay, based upon our family sizes and based upon our budget, we can now have, let's just say for an example, we can invite another 100 people. Then divide that up as you see fit based upon 
who's actually paying for the wedding. So if a certain percentage is coming from the one side's parents or the other, consider that and dividing it that way. If you decide that that doesn't matter, then that's a conversation you should have with whoever is primarily paying for the wedding. So if it is also you, if the couple's paying for the wedding, then you have every right to say to your family, we're forking the bill, so you get 25 people and 25 people and we get 50. So it really does come down to numbers and budget because that's the easiest thing to get down to where it doesn't offend anyone on either side. And you're really just saying, okay, I'm, you know, not to bring money into the conversation, but if you want more people, you're happy, you know, more than welcome to pay for them to come. (laughs) That's just kind of the best way of doing it. When it comes to your own personal dilemma of, okay, I have that 25 people, who should I invite? The best advice that we have for couples is really get down to, in 20 years, when you look at these photos or you're thinking back on that day, is a coworker somebody you're still going to be friends with or really want to look back and say, wow, they jumped in on that big photo with all of my high school friends that I'm still friends with? Like, who is that person? So really thinking about it, not just in the moment, but what does it look like, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now when you're looking back on your day? And that can be hard when you might be really close to a coworker right now or... You might be um, really close to friends that you just were in college with, but drilling down, okay, here's who I know I want to see in my photos and who I really want to be there with me is important. And I, I do believe that couples are getting more specific about who they are inviting to their weddings. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, something that was personally so awkward for my husband and I to have to deal with in our planning, and I know so many couples have to deal with is family members or extended family members or friends or coworkers that assume they're invited and (laughs) talk to you like they're invited or just say they are and they're not. How do you handle that? Oh, it's just, it still freaks me out and the wedding's long gone, but like, (laughs) oh, it's just so awkward. Like, how do you handle that? Confrontation is not for everyone, and it's really not for anyone. I mean, I don't know anyone that loves confrontation. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Basically disinviting someone from your wedding, I mean, whether you didn't really properly invite them, but they're going (laughs) to feel disinvited, will make it really hard to really salvage that relationship. I mean, it's really as simple as that, which I know is why you're asking this question. The question you also have to ask yourself is, first and foremost, is it enough to include them for some reason or another, is it worth thinking, okay, you know what, it's two more people. And what are kind of the repercussions of not inviting them? If it is literally a third cousin down the line that you're never going to see again, and you really don't need to worry about it, I think that that's when you just need to take a step back, call them on the phone and be very honest with them. And just say, we have a certain number of people You know, we really love that you were so excited to be included in our big day, but unfortunately the circumstances have just not allowed us to have, you know, any more people added to the guest list. Honesty is the best approach here because what you don't want to have happen is your second cousin tells your third cousin that it was something, uh, you know, some other reason and then they're even more offended, right? So having that conversation and really just giving them the why is important. If the why is obviously difficult, then that's a different story. But I also think that this is a circumstance in which most couples are getting better about the who on their guest list. And actually, I do think that 
COVID will even bring this more to the forefront because it is more about who are the most important people in my life that I want there on my wedding day. And it is becoming less of the, I need to invite my father's business partner's daughter's son. It's less about how many people can we invite that are like a make good in your life and more about who do I really want by my side. And I do think that we're going to see that more and more as couples decide that they're going to have smaller, big weddings versus big, just overarching, like lots of people wedding. Yeah, I love that. That was something I know personally I found important. Like we had it, it was under 100, including us. You want to keep it the people that you feel the most comfortable with. You will run into the problem where you will have to explain why someone's not invited. And most, I think, will be understanding, at least from my end they were, but there are going to be a few that unfortunately just aren't going to get it. And one thing that is hard, but you always can have a B list, and that list can be accessed if people do decline. At Wedding Wire, we do estimate that about 30% of people will decline your invitation. So have people that you know you otherwise would invite if you could have um, on that B list. I've been on a B list before, and I knew it. And you know what? We ended up at the wedding, and it was great. But if we hadn't, it would have been okay. So not only is it something where I know couples have to have that understanding, but I know we want to raise more awareness that Weddings, yes, they're a big celebration and they're really exciting, but there needs to be an understanding of the why behind that too. And just being okay and understanding that, oh, I wasn't invited because it just didn't work out. <laughs> right. Yeah. With that, how do you address if you are deciding to have no children invited and if you're not giving plus ones for singles? You have to set a hard rule. We say that there has to be a hard, fast reason. Again, it goes back to why you, if you're not inviting someone, if you are not going to have children in your wedding, let me give you a couple of different scenarios, actually. So let's say you would like to have a flower girl and a ring bearer. And you have, you know, maybe it's a niece and nephew or something. And you don't want to have children at your reception. The best way to approach that is that you have the children at your ceremony and then you've hired a babysitter at the venue to then watch those children so that they are actually not at the reception. So it kind of sets that precedence that we are not actually having a child-friendly reception. And that makes sense, right? Or you just say no children at all. And you don't include them in the ceremony. It's really hard to say, oh, I'm going to have my son's three kids that are the same age as yours, but not yours. It's Again, have a rule and set it. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to is sit down with your couple, with, is, with your couple, with your partner, sit down with your family. And as crazy as it sounds, everyone agree to, hey, here are the things that we're going to agree upon. And if it's no kids, then it's no kids. You're allowed to make that decision. It is your wedding day. And you can make it however you want it to be. And whatever makes you happy is what you just kind of need to put down on the ground and stick to it. And same then for plus ones. And then, yes, sorry, for plus one, it's the same thing. For my wedding, and I've said this a bunch of times too, we actually said that if you weren't married, you weren't bringing a plus one because it wasn't, again, it goes <laughs> back to, and granted, not everyone has to do that, but again, set the rule. You know, if it's, if you've met the significant other or that you've met who they're bringing and it's somebody that you want to have at your wedding, then allow the plus one. But if it's, but just saying, hey, you can bring another person and have no knowledge of who that is, if that's your steadfast rule, then that's completely okay. 
We touched upon if the parents are contributing how to handle the guest list with them. What are some other basic etiquette that we should be aware of when it comes to outside financials helping with the wedding? This is also, again, the steadfast rules that you and your partner should be having at the (laughs) beginning. This comes down to who's going wedding attire shopping with me, who is going to be involved in the, you know, tasting at the venue. There are a lot of things that parents are going to want to be involved in. And the best advice and the etiquette really, because again, it's all about transparency at the end of the day. There is a polite way to be transparent, but it's all about transparency is set that stage with your partner and say, okay, I'm okay to have my future parents-in-law at this piece of it and my parents at this piece of it or however you kind of want to divide and conquer that, but go into it knowing that so that there isn't any hard feelings and then set that precedence with your family. Let them know that ahead of time. Say, we have decided that when we go for our wedding attire shopping, we definitely want to have you here, you here, and you here, or no. The best way to approach it is to just be transparent in the beginning. What we are seeing when it comes to etiquette in weddings, you have to be polite, you have to do it properly, but there is no traditional way of doing anything anymore. And that allows you to have these more open conversations with your family and your loved ones to say, this is how we are doing this. And granted, there are circumstances where if a parent is paying for a certain amount, that is, again, a conversation you need to have with them. What is their expectations? If they are paying for 50% of your wedding, they have an expectation. Get to know what that is so that there aren't hard feelings later down the line. And if you get any pushback, what's the best way to address that? Well, I wish I had advice on that. (laughs) No, it's so tough. But I mean, hopefully you won't have to, but it's just one of those things like it's Like you said, it's your day at the end of the day. So, I mean. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes you just have to take a, it's what you will kind of want as a hard, fast rule. Hopefully my mother's not listening to this, but I will tell you one (laughs) quick story as to what I mean by that. But when my husband and I were getting married, she had a friend who baked cakes and we went and tasted the cakes. And honestly, this is the tell tale that you should never trust a friend of a friend to do anything for your wedding. Always hire wedding vendors. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we didn't want that cake at our wedding. And she said, well, I'm paying for it. And I remember my mother and I getting into the back and forth. I ended up paying for the cake myself. I just said, you know what? I don't want to have this argument with you. I don't want our wedding cake to be the, you know, to cause a f- pain in our relationship. Right. I will pay for our cake because I want something specific and it's my day. And you know what? That's how we solved it. I know that that's difficult in some circumstances. Couples can't do that. And that's something where that's why I just feel like expectations need to be set at the beginning because it's, it's no different than any other piece of our life, right? Set the foundation so you can always go back to that and say, but we said this. <laughs> no, but that's a great way of trying to resolve it, though. I mean, if you do have the means in that kind of situation to where you can purchase it yourself, definitely go for it. I really think that that was a stellar way of handling it. Yeah, I mean, it was still a difficult conversation, but we forgot about it a lot easier than one of us holding a grudge against the other. <laughs> <laughs> and such a great tip to go with professionals that have done tons of weddings. I'm not saying don't give someone new a chance, but there's a lot more cons than pros to going with someone that 
doesn't have wedding experience. There's so many cons to going somebody who doesn't have a ton or to go with a family friend. Not to keep bringing up my wedding, but I feel like I don't want to use other people's examples. But yeah, no. I had my cousin say, hey, I'll just bring my video camera and I'll videotape your whole entire wedding. The camera died when I was walking down the aisle. Oh, no. So it's just always hire a professional. I mean, definitely hire a professional every single time. (laughs) If that story doesn't strike fear into all of you couples out there, I don't know what will. Because that just, to me, sounds like the ultimate nightmare. Aside from, like, being stood up at the altar, obviously. But, like... You know, you're counting on having this moment captured for the rest of your life and show your children and grandchildren. And you could even make it down the aisle and the camera died. Oh, yeah. That's so frustrating. It's true. So so the next thing I want to talk about is the bridal party. It can be really fun to choose who you want by your side and to ask them to be in it. But what's a good rule of thumb when doing this? Okay. So we're going to take this kind of as a an if statement. If you or your significant other have siblings, they are first in line. It is the most polite, etiquette-driven way to approach your bridal party. So they should be included unless there are some unforeseen circumstances as to why they shouldn't. It might be, you know, or if they're too young or whatever that looks like. But they should be asked first. However, if it gets down to then what's like the who and the next... The other thing you have to decide first and foremost is what is our number? Because there's a lot of things that happen when couples have one size, one side's too many and the other side's too few, or it just gets to be too many. So what is the total number that you actually want to have? Is it six on each side, seven, eight, whatever? I mean, I've, I was in a wedding where it was 10 on each side. So, yeah. you know, and there, there's a lot of couples do different things. So make sure that you kind of have that number that you want. And then decide, okay, let's sit down and think about, you know, who are the people, again, kind of thinking about your guest list that you want to see in your photos, you know, 20 years from now. And if you really can kind of drill that down and it ends up only being a couple of people on each side, or maybe it's just you both have a person of honor on each side, that's okay. There's no set number. It's really just, again, who do you want standing by you when you marry the love of your life? And who do you want in those photos for the rest of your life? And I think that that's really the biggest question. And I I do think that couples get really wrapped up in, but if I invite one of my sorority sisters, I have to invite all of them. It's so funny. I was just thinking like things like sororities and frats and high school friends and college friends. and And that's also something where you could consider, and we've seen couples do this too, where Maybe you just say, I'm not going to have any of my sorority sisters. I love you all. And you'll be invited to all of the events but I'm just going to have my sister or my brother stand by my side or make it simplify it. Yeah. You don't have to do anything. Again, tradition out the window. You don't even have to have a wedding party anymore. You could literally just say, I'm not going to do anything, but I want you guys to be involved in all the fun stuff. But hey, you don't have to buy an outfit, but like, you know, or whatever. (laughs) You know, whatever the reason, not that I don't want people to go out and buy, you know, wedding party (laughs) outfits because I do. But the point is, is it do it how you want it to be done, but also don't be afraid to simplify it. Aside from COVID, were you seeing more of a trend of having little to no bridal party? It actually goes both ways. We are still seeing huge bridal parties. And then we're also seeing very, very 
simple bridal parties or wedding parties, I should say. The average number hasn't fluctuated that much in the past year, few years. So I wouldn't say that it's going one way or the other. Is there a best way? I mean, I've, I've seen so many fun things like on Pinterest and of course on Wedding Wire and in The Nut of fun ways you can ask people to be in your wedding, the different boxes and gifts and stuff. But do you think that there is a, a best way to ask people to be involved? I do. First of all, personalize it. Make sure that it feels personal to that person that you actually are delivering it to. And if you have to do it, you know, if they live far away, make sure that it's delivered in a special way. If you are not going to call them personally, I wouldn't, you know, suggest just sending a card unless it's something that is really personal or something that it's elaborate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just because I feel like, again, it's, it's similar to what we talked about when announcing your engagement. You know, having that personal touch point when you have that conversation with somebody is really important. So my suggestion, and I think the best way to do this, we do have a lot of inspiration on The Knot and Wedding Wire. And uh, it's usually call and ask, get their blessing first that they actually <laughs> want to be involved, right? And then send something to everyone who's accepted as a, I'm so glad you've, you want to be a part of my wedding party. And it's kind of a yay, thank you gift versus a proposal gift. I love that. I think that's so much better. Because what if you send this elaborate gift and like, mm, I don't want to be in this. I yeah, don't want to be a part of it. I, you know, or I can't, you know, maybe they have an obligation or you know, whatever the reason being. But yeah, you definitely don't want to kind of be caught <laughs> going and spending a bunch of money on a gift. And then they say, oh, <laughs> nope, can't do it. Ask first and then kind of send this like, thank you for being a part of my day gift. I can speak from personal experience that, you know, you can have your bridal parties planned out and everyone's accepted, but then people have to drop off. Like my yep. sister-in-law, she got pregnant and was going to give birth at the time. She gave birth a little early and she got to bring my three-week-old nephew to the Aww. wedding. But, you know, <laughs> she couldn't actually be in the wedding because, you know, the chances, you know, were risky. And then another bridesmaid had a drop off because of family obligation and a groomsman had a drop off because <gasps> of a conflict. So it was like, oh my goodness, these kind of things can happen. So yes. you can roll with it. And it's not a, a bad issue as to why they can't be a part of it. Again, it's why you can't really hold yourself to like the equal number on both sides. Don't be thrown off if it doesn't go the way that you exactly wanted it, <laughs> yes. which I know is hard. It's so hard. <laughs> but because these things happen. And that's why we're here, to let you know that it, things are going to happen, but it's going to be okay. Yes. Promise. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> Everyone, you know, survives the, the, some of the things that happen on your wedding day, and that's totally okay. <laughs> <laughs> From failed cameras to lack of bridal party. Yes, Anything exactly. can happen. <laughs> exactly. So on the um, more negative end, I guess, of the bridal party things, you can have, especially in the, I don't know how often it happens with groomsmen, but with bridesmaids, there tends to be sometimes, unfortunately, maybe that one person in the party that's negative and yep. kind of bitchy and doesn't like the bridesmaid's dress and doesn't want to participate in activities and help out. And usually it's jealousy, but how do you deal with someone that's in your party that's giving you a hard time? Yeah, this happens a lot. Which is very unfortunate because mm -hmm. it should be, you know, you're surrounding yourself with your wedding party because they should be the most supportive people in your life, right? Which kind of goes back to one of our earlier discussions on, you know, who do you invite? Make sure that whoever is standing by your side, you think will be able to handle the job of being in your wedding party. 
it is not easy to be in a wedding party. It is not all glitz and glamour. I mean, there there are responsibilities and you need to know that the person can kind of live up to that or at least be a part of that. But it also goes back to setting expectations. And I, I keep repeating that because it's not only just a fundamental courtesy to have to set your expectations out, but it just helps you in the long run. And being upfront, not to bring up the, you know, we're not really using um, the word bridezilla anymore because it, it does have a very negative connotation and also has a very negative connotation towards females, which we yeah. obviously don't <laughs> want to have. So, but I do think that there is, you know, if you set your expectations and maybe it is in that initial phone call before you send them the thank you for doing all of these things gift, <laughs> say to them, I would love for you to be a part of my wedding party. These are the things that I am going to want or need and set that out on the, you know, it is, you're asking them to do a job. It is fun in, in most cases, but you're going to be asking them to put on a shower, to plan a bachelor or bachelorette party, there are, you know, to purchase a dress, there are all of these things. So set that up front. And then if you have to have a difficult conversation, which it is very light, you know, it's not uncommon that that happens. Just make sure that you don't do it in the heat of the moment and that you really just kind of take a step back and make sure that that conversation is needed. And then just say to them, you know, Let's talk about this. Do you want to continue to be a part of this? And really kind of just have that open conversation with them. Again, like go back to your expectations that were set at the beginning and say, I know that this is a lot and that's okay. Just try to kind of find the equal playing ground. No, it's great. Great advice. So I want to go to outer towners because so many of us have family and friends that come in to share in our big day out of state. What are the best ways to help accommodate them and make them feel welcome? Are there things that we should be making sure we do since they're coming in from elsewhere? So two things, which is, again, COVID has actually been a really big learning for a lot of people when it comes to communication with guests. And this is actually where wedding websites like on The Knot and Wedding Wire actually become really powerful communication tools <laughs> because it allows you to communicate things, whether it's updates or to your question, how do I make them feel more welcome, more prepared, things of that nature if they are coming out from out of town. Your wedding website is going to take a little, you know, it takes a little elbow grease to get it there. <laughs> but there's a reason why we do provide so many elaborate pages to put on there, like accommodations, activities, things to do, where to eat, where to stay, what, where's the closest airport, you know, where can I rent a car? All of this information makes it so much easier. And if you are the expert in that area, imagine how much time you're going to save on your guests having to research yes. or... You also don't have to worry about fielding questions from all of these people coming in. So have all of that on your wedding website and make sure that you just direct people there. If you have the ability to also do a card printed in the invitation, or if you, you know, if you are being a little budget conscious, you could just send it within the people that are coming from out of town as a, you know, list accommodations, where to stay, and then have your wedding website on there too. link out to it and say, you know, for even more information, click here or go here. That way you're just over communicating and remind your guests, whether it's on your save the date or if it's on your wedding invitation, make sure that your wedding website is there and say for 
you know, most updated information, go to, you know, and then list the URL. Because then if there is something, you know, let's say the weather is going to change and you're, or let's say you have to go to plan B or something happens, people know where to go to find that information. And then you're not scrambling to find 300 people's email addresses <laughs> to email them. Or there are circumstances where you have to get on the phone and that's, you know, we, we won't go into those right now, but I do think that that's the best from a technology standpoint to lean into. I also love welcome baskets. I think that they are the most genuinely sweet thing that you can do when out of town people are showing up. And this has actually become so much easier when you work with your, like if you're doing a hotel room block, you can work with the people at the hotel to set this up for you, or you can just have, you know, drop off the stuff and they, they do it all for you. And it doesn't have to be elaborate. It could be something so simple as a granola bar and, you know, a bottle of water and just a, hey, welcome. Thank you so much for coming so far. A little personal, you know, a little note from you and your significant other. Yeah. These little touch points and these personalization, like these moments of personalized approach make such a big difference. It also is a great distraction from the other stressful stuff that you're doing for your wedding (laughs) planning to be able to like take a moment and be like, you know what, I'm going to work on my welcome baskets tonight. And just like, it's like mindless matter. But that is also one of the biggest things for me. And again, it doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be super expensive. Something small means so much to your guests that have come out of town. No, I'm so glad you brought that up because I forgot all about the hotel bags. So we did that. We Our wedding was right outside of downtown in historic Ohio City. But the hotel that we set up for the wedding was downtown. So I went to Destination Cleveland, which is our tourism center right in the heart of downtown, and got like the free Cleveland tote bags from them that they give to people to put all their pamphlets in and stuff. I got the 2019 guidebook and a bunch of different things that they could do around town, put it in there, and threw two bottles of water, Mally's Chocolates, which is a Cleveland-based chocolate company, and everyone loved it. I mean, it was just so simple and cost next to nothing. And then they had a little something, you know, we had a little thank you card on it, but, you know, you can do it so cheap. It doesn't need to be these elaborate. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you have the the budget to do the elaborate thing, go for it. I mean, right, but, yeah. but to your point, you can find a lot of that stuff. And yeah, like go get maps and things like that from the tourism board or whatever. It makes it easy. But I just feel like every single time someone's traveling that far and they walk into their hotel room and it feels like maybe not just, hey, I'm in a hotel room, but you know, that moment where they see it or it's handed to them at check-in, it, it is like, a, oh my God, they thought of me. They're welcoming yeah. me for all this effort that I've put forth. So it's your fun and little it kinda, swag bag. Yeah. And it's part of the experience of that couples are really leaning into right now. They want it to be an experience. So that welcome bag is kind of that first touch point. Yeah. And you brought up um, before that, you talked about Wedding Wire and then not having the website for couples. And I can attest it was so helpful because I'd say over 50% of our wedding and definitely pretty much the entire bridal party came in from out of state. Wow. And yeah, yeah. So it was so nice to have that though. So people, you know, had a little more information about how to get to the location of the ceremony and reception, things that they can do around town, like the museums and stuff, get to know who the bridal party was. We had that feature set up. Oh, yeah. So take advantage of Wedding Wire and the Knots website. I, I really can't stress that enough. Firsthand, it was so helpful. 
Oh, that's great. That makes us, that makes me so happy to hear. Um, <laughs> no, it does. And it's not just, you know, I, I do feel really strongly that, that wedding websites have made a huge difference in the wedding industry. And just a really quick plug, which is The Knot actually just launched our stationary line that you can now match to your wedding website. So there's all these like great features that oh, we're adding wow. that really, yeah, that allows you to just kind of promote it and make it feel like the rest of your aesthetic, which I do think is really important. It goes to that personal personalization aspect is you can make it all feel like one seamless thing and tie it into your, your vibe or your style. That's very cool. I came to check that out. Yeah. So let's talk ceremony. Um, the first thing with it, though, is because I am such a stickler for being early or on time. <laughs> I'm one of those that, you know, if you're early, you're on time, you're on time, you're late. If you're late, don't bother showing because you missed out. How do you handle putting on the invitation the time and expecting people to know that, like, if it's three o'clock, the bride's probably walking down at three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> so don't show up at three o'clock. <laughs> But don't show up at two o'clock either. No, exactly. <laughs> I know. Um, so we have advice on this, which is, again, going back to just being as like transparent as possible and over communicating. Couples can actually set a like a welcoming time almost. So or like a seated time uh, or to be seated time or however you want to phrase it. But basically on you should definitely have this on your wedding website without a doubt. But then also on your invitation, it could say almost treat it like a, a theater. So not saying like doors <laughs> open, but like, no, um, that's great though. You know, like, and maybe it's something where you offer like a, like a glass of champagne or if you want to great, granted everyone's different, but like you could have it be like, Hey, initial welcoming between three forty-five and four. And then like ceremony starts at four fifteen or something allowing like that buffer. I've also granted, I, I don't want to like fib people and I apologize for all the guests out here but a lot of the other option and what we've seen is ceremony start time on your actual invitation let's say it says four o'clock you don't want to have your guests sitting there for half an hour that's like very rude but mm -hmm. if you wanted to do something where you kind of set an arbitrary like hey start time and in your mind that's hey the start time of when everyone should be seated and then there's a okay ceremony begins at x time that is the best way of doing it. You're always going to have people coming in late. I have a friend that I tell her that we're meeting at six o'clock when really like <laughs> the reservations at seven. But I took it there like at six thirty, six forty-five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you're always going to have those people, but I do think that that is like the most important thing. Knowing again in the back of your mind that there might be someone that's walking in the door after you've walked down the aisle. And again, you just have to be okay with it. <laughs> There's also this one piece of it too, because, and I want to bring this up because I do think it's really important when it comes to the ceremony and distractions. So a lot of times what, what may or may not happen is people are just like on their phones or they are not really ready for the ceremony to start because they're taking pictures with their phones or whatever that looks like, like in the, in the arena that you're getting married. Having an unplugged sign is the best trend that I've seen in years, which is you literally have a sign when people are walking into the ceremony and it says, we are having an unplugged ceremony. We like, we really appreciate you putting your cell phone away we hired a professional photographer. Like, you don't <laughs> need to worry about a it. lot of money on this. <laughs> By having an unplugged ceremony, you really are allowing for people to understand that, like, okay, don't be distracted. This is the time that the ceremony is going to start. 
And really, it just allows them to focus on the purpose, which is that they're here to watch you come down the aisle and get married. Yeah, I think that trend is so cool. And I I wish we kind of had that sign up because I could definitely see some people standing up to take pictures of that. But I mean, it is what it is now. But yeah, just to be respectful and be present in the moment too. Yep, exactly. With that too, what are some cultural etiquette that we should be aware of in the various houses of worship? When it comes to cultural and religious ceremonies or celebrations, this is another thing that makes your wedding website really impactful because you should definitely allow a space on your site to tell people like what to expect. So if they need to dress a certain way, if they need to come at a certain time, or if there's specific elements of your celebration that are important for them to know, definitely just be open about that so that there's not a guessing game. The other thing to do as a guest is if you know that they are going to be incorporating a specific custom from their culture or religious background, do your own research as well. We actually provide a lot of information on The Knot about how to attend all the different types of religious and cultural background ceremonies, which really just help kind of guide you into knowing like, what should my attire be? Are there certain elements I should just be aware of? That is the best approach. And just be really excited about that experience because it is definitely so fun to be a part of something that is different from maybe something you've attended before and kind of dive into that. That's the whole purpose of the couple having that celebration that way is to give you some light into who they are and how they want to celebrate the future of their lives together. Bottom line is make sure you do your research and make sure that you as the, the, um, the couple are providing the information needed. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, there's so many great tips on both Wedding Wire and The Knot. If you want some more insight, if you're being invited to, you know, an Indian wedding or a Jewish ceremony or something, you know, and you may not be familiar with the customs. So definitely check it out. Exactly. So let's head to the party, <laughs> the, the, the fun, the really fun part, the reception. <laughs> what are the, the top do's and don'ts when it comes to reception etiquette? Okay, so this is one that I I know I keep saying I'm going to dive into the COVID items, and I do think that it's important for this one specifically just to start with that, but knowing that obviously, hopefully in the future, things will change. Where we are leaning towards right now is the do's and don'ts. The first do is prioritize health and safety right now. So really just like getting that out. I just have to like put that plug in there because it, it is so important to ensure that your guests and you yourself feel safe during your celebration if you are planning to have your wedding in the next, you know, several months. But going back to normal times, which is hopefully not too far away in our future. The other thing is we don't necessarily believe in do's or don'ts when planning a wedding reception. Each couple is different, right? And it goes back to the fact that You are making your own tradition. You're making, you're paving your own path. So you should be able to kind of do your wedding in your own way because everyone is different. So if you want to have a a singles table, if you want kids, if you don't want to have kids, if you want an open or a cash bar, if you are having a a buffet versus a sit-down dinner. So like there's really no do's and don'ts anymore. And I think that that's the best part about the wedding industry right now is that We are not saying to couples anymore, this is the way you should be doing your wedding and here's the general timeline and, you know, all the things that historically we've done, we're we're now saying, do you, you know, like not to kind of say that cliched comment, but like really great. 
And then what about feeding and tipping vendors? Because I know that's something that can be really confusing for couples. The best etiquette is if you, if your vendors are going to be with you for the duration of the evening. So let's think uh, band, wait staff, you know, that might be at the venue, your wedding planner, you know, people that are going to be, again, like with you for the duration of the evening. The best thing to do is to feed them. I mean, that's just proper, you know, being mm-hmm. respectful of their time. And tipping vendors is important. I, you know, do what you think is right. Do what you think is best. There is no rhyme or reason with this and everyone's budget is different. And do it at the end of the night of of what you think is best. That is the most proper way of of handling it and the most respectful way of of thanking your vendors even more so for a wonderful evening. So this isn't really... I don't think an issue as much any, or an issue at all, period, but personally, but uh, there might be some family members or friends that feel like if this isn't your first rodeo, if you're a second or third or fourth time bride, that you shouldn't wear white or you shouldn't register for gifts or you shouldn't have a shower. What do you think of that? So the short answer is... If somebody's getting married for the second or third or 10th time and that person wants to wear a white dress or a black tuxedo or whatever their attire is, then they should be able to. What, you know, there's no, again, there's no rhyme or reason. This is, this goes back to the, hey, we're not, you know, holding you accountable for that traditional element anymore. Where is your limit and what do you think that respectful line is, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think that it's fair to say to anyone, you know, don't enjoy that moment with your second or third marriage in the same way that you did the first time. It's, But again, it's really dependent on you and what your personal, what you want that personal experience to be. Hopefully, you know, the people that you are inviting to your wedding are not the same people that would judge you for that. And it, again, kind of goes back to your guest list is that you want to be inviting people that are there for you and support you no matter what decisions, you know, or what you decide to have your big day be. The registry thing is, this is something where you should also be able to register for the gifts that you want. But I would say that what you should do is just ensure that you are being thoughtful about like what those things are. So think about the stage of life you're in, right? Think about maybe ways that you can even personalize it even more. Wedding registries have gotten so elaborate that you can literally register for anything. So if this is your second marriage and you and your new significant other love camping, put a bunch of camping stuff on your registry, you know, like have it be more fun. And you can still just, you should be doing that on your first registry, your first (laughs) wedding too. But the point is you don't have to go and like register for what we historically have said are traditional elements, right? So the blender. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't have to put all that stuff on there, but if you want a blender, register for a blender. Again, life is all about surrounding yourself with, you know, the people that support you and understand you. So I would say that if you feel like it's okay and you aren't second guessing yourself, then, then do it, you know, if it makes you happy. I mean, I, I don't want to say that anyone shouldn't be having a gift registry or wearing white on their second wedding because you have to kind of do what makes you happy in that sense, but in a respectful way. So the thank you notes. <laughs> <laughs> I know it can be kind of daunting, especially if you have a very large guest list, but 
you need to do it. What what do you say is the the top and best etiquette points when it comes to your thank you notes? This is one of the traditions that I actually will say needs to stick. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you notes are so important and they are just a respectful thing to 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 do. I know that they can be time consuming, but the best advice I have is write them as soon as possible. If you get a gift or if you just had your one of your showers or one of your engagement parties or what, wherever you've received something, just write the thank you notes right then and there. I would even say, you know, when you order your save the dates, order your thank you notes at the same time. So then you just have them in your house and whenever you get something, you write it right away. If you do receive a gift before the wedding, like, so let's say it's, you know, you're in the last little bit of planning and you receive a gift and you, you're thinking, oh my God, I cannot send a thank you note right exactly on this day. You really have like two to three weeks is kind of that like perfect That's, that's customary. Yeah. Um, so while I'm saying send it as soon as possible, that's more just to, hey, remind yourself. But if you can't, you have two to three weeks to send to send it. Don't send six months later. <laughs> no, and you know, some it, there are some instances where people say if you've received your gift after the wedding, like you have up to three months. Yes, but you always want to consider if it was you. And let's say you are sending a gift through, you know, with all the technology we have nowadays, if you are sending a gift like through the Knots registry or something like that, you want to confirm that you received it. So yeah. I do think that, you know, the sooner you can kind of confirm that it's the best etiquette. No, that's a great tip. So my last question for you is a fun one. Okay. All right, Jeffra, what is your all-time favorite wedding movie or movie that features a wedding? Oh, okay. So no judgment, right? Nope. <laughs> judgment-free zone here. I actually have two and they're... Um, Oh, man. I mean, okay, so I'm just going to go with the, <laughs> no, I'll just go with the the one, but I Father of the Bride is the best. Yay, the original one or the Steve Martin? The or both. <laughs> well, the Steve Martin one. Yes. So, yeah, that one is I mean, actually the the original one's still pretty good, but I love Steve Martin. I love Martin Short. Like that whole movie is just so perfect and it embodies all the different emotions that someone goes through, I feel like, during their <laughs> wedding planning process across, like, the mother, the father, the bride, the fiancé, the brother, you know, all the things. But anyway, that would probably be my all-time favorite. Did you see the the table read that they did recently? I didn't. I didn't even know what happened. This is just, like, so COVID that I've, like, been living in a <laughs> bubble of TV. But I haven't, but I heard it was fantastic. You can find it, actually, on YouTube. Oh, I'll have to do it. Yeah. yeah. If I see the link, I'll send it over to you. That would be wonderful. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Jeffro. We've, we've learned so much great etiquette tips. And uh, how can we get more information from you and WeddingWire? So definitely go to WeddingWire.com and follow us on Instagram as well. You can also go um, to thenot.com for additional etiquette and advice and follow us on The Knot on Instagram. We, we are updating it daily. Our editorial team is constantly on the grounds, you know, trying to get the most up-to-date information. So, and all of our suite of tools is there for you to help plan your big day as well. That was great. Thank you so much, Jeffra. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Thanks for listening to Weddings Unveiled. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And make sure you check us out on Facebook. 
This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to executive producers David Moss and Gerardo Orlando, production director Bridget Coyne, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. Don't forget to enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey.